0: You're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at TwoJackets.com. Welcome to Dueling Sham Fiction. We're Two Jackets
1: Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. This week we're switching it up with a challenge. Two writers will tackle a property they've never seen before in a literary battle royale.
0: With only 10 minutes to learn what they're writing about, who knows what will happen? There's only
1: one way to find out. It's Dueling Sham Fiction! Hey, welcome to Sham Fiction. We're like halfway through the season. It's time to do something exciting. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm so excited. I was I'm excited good. like last week when it actually was halfway through the season. But yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> sh- we had to time it out. But we're doing this different thing. We're doing head-to-head fan fiction, sham fiction, duel, and sham fix. No. Oh, it's never been more competitive. Like I know. I have That's like a right.
2: bloodthirst in my <laughs> loins so normally <laughs> this week I very uh,
1: can i have a different <laughs> challenger please <laughs> nope you gotta fight andrew that's how this works but so loins. Normally, okay. I, normally i would be writing this week um but in lieu of that i will be actually pitching this week so that both andrew and marcus can write at the same time and, and it's a challenge for me, too, because it's going to be timed. Well, it's so, so I have stressful. ten minutes to pitch this whole thing to you guys. Are you ready? I'm ready. I,
0: I hope there's some competitive advantage I have that would reveal itself <laughs> when you reveal the property.
1: Uh, well, we'll find out. Right. So, here we go. Ten minutes on the clock. Oh. And begin. Guys, you're writing Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Hey! Which is <laughs> one of my favorite... Things to exist, period. I'm, I haven't been able to do it before because only, only I have seen it, which is perfect for this. So Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood is an anime uh, that uh, came out in 2009 in Japan. I'll just give you the really quick info on it uh, as far as who is the director and, and all that sort of stuff. This was uh, directed by Yasuhiro Iri, uh, written by Hiroshi Onogi, uh, based on the anime... And I should probably find out uh, the person who wrote the anime. Um, it's, uh, or I'm sorry, the manga by Hiromu Arakawa. There you go. So there you go. There you go. Learning so, things. Full Metal, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is about two brothers, the Elric brothers. That's Edward Elric and Alphonse. They're young, maybe thir- or 14 or 15, somewhere in there. Edward Elric is the older of the two, he is the youngest. State alchemist in Amestris. And that means he is part of the military. He is a magic user. Alchemy in this world is a form of magic with a very scientific sort of base to it. Really interesting stuff. He's the youngest person to be a state alchemist, which basically means he's a human weapon. He's used by the military to uh, kill the enemies of the state, to, to fight wars, he and the other state alchemists are like human tanks. So you got you got this guy. And his little brother, Alphonse, is also an alchemist, though not a state alchemist. So to break this down here, why are these kids uh, little geniuses? Uh, good question. Probably because their father, who is an absent figure in this story for the most part was himself some sort of alchemist of great renown, but he walked out on the family when they were like, oh, I don't know, six? So, what a dick. Edward... and He is a dick. And Edward can hold a grudge like <laughs> nobody's business. He hates this guy. Partially because uh, after he left, a couple of years after he left, their mother died. Just, just up and died. Got some sort of pox or something, Ooh. and was gone, deceased, and uh, this guy didn't come back for the funeral. He's just gone. So, reason to hate him. But uh, he left behind a whole lot of like uh, alchemy books. The kids studied up and, and started performing alchemy. Very young, very impressive sort of stuff. And then after the death of their mother, they went off and got some tutelage, uh, learned up a bit more, and they decided very early on that they were going to do something that is a big big no-no in this world which is they were going to perform human transmutation to bring their dead mother back to life whoa and this act is the biggest taboo imaginable in this world so alchemy To to break this down really quick, it is this uh, magical science uh, that operates on the law of equivalent exchange in that there is a conservation of mass, there's a conservation of energy. You are taking elements and combining them and tearing them apart and creating new things. You can uh, do things like if you have, oh, say they do this in the show, a broken radio You draw a transmutation circle around the pieces of the radio. You perform the spell, and shink like magic, it turns into a fully functional full radio. Uh, You can can do things a little more complicated than that, too. Um, But you can't, say, make a bowling ball out of a golf ball. You can maybe make a bowling ball out of, like, 50 golf balls, if that gives you enough of the right material. But you, you kind of see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah you can't rules. create
2: matter from nothing.
1: Yeah, and these transmutation circles that they use to perform the spells—they're just these like there's circular um, drawn or carved, uh, usually on the ground. It can also be like on your body, like on mm. your hands. A lot of alchemists use, and it's just it's a it's a, a form that somehow channels the energy in the appropriate way. Um, the alchemists themselves use. Uh, they they use some sort of magic to 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 make the thing run, like that there, there is an energy that comes from somewhere. Okay. Um, but there is a limit. And uh, Edward and the gang do things with this, like oh, make a make a big fist come out of the ground, you know, reform the earth to to punch somebody with a big rock fist, or make a weapon out of something, like very quickly. Um, There are characters who make guns out of just metal lying around. So lots and lots of possibilities. But human transmutation is a different story. Um, They, once they kind of know what's going on with alchemy, they go back home, they collect a bunch of elements. That is to say, they collect um, uh, the water carbon, salt, iron, all the base elements of a human body and perform and add some of their own blood and perform this transmutation to try to create their mother. (laughs) And it it does not go well. Oh, (laughs) it doesn't sound like it would. So what happens when you perform transmutation? Again, this is a big taboo for a reason. Edward gets transported to a like a white void with a giant door and I'm gonna go into detail because it's really cool um, and the giant door is basically the doorway to his truth like beyond the door is like all the knowledge of the universe and there is a figure there who is like a god like figure but just like a very similar uh, figure to Ed himself who explains that uh, there has to be an equivalent exchange if you want to create a life Something has to be something of equal value has to be taken. And this door opens and his he loses his left leg. it gets torn away from him and he gets exposed to like a fleeting glimpse of like the knowledge of the universe in this Whoa. moment. He gets transported back to the, this basement where they perform this transmutation and he's missing his leg. he's bleeding everywhere and but he now he he has mo- like knowledge in his head more about how alchemy works it's just like he's been souped up but he discovers two things one there is a hideous monster in the middle of this transmutation circle because what they made if it's their mother is a horrible tangle of r- bones and hair and sinew Ooh. and it di- it it's alive but it dies almost immediately the other thing that he notices is that his brother, Alphonse, is gone. The, his brother's clothes and shoes are lying on the floor, but no, eh, or no Alphonse. What he realizes is that Alphonse was also transported, and they didn't take like a limb from this guy. They took his whole body. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, what? so that was the price that Lee's brothers paid to perform this transmutation. Is is Alphonse's entire body, and Ed's left leg. So Ed got off light.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
1: hope Alphonse doesn't <laughs> let him forget that Castiel and yeah, a well, leg. <laughs> exactly. And so what Ed does because he's a talented guy and like i said he he like gains some insight into the how the universe works he he um he performs another transmutation he he there's a suit of armor in this this basement, a big suit of armor for reasons whatever <laughs> um he takes his blood and draws a transmutation circle like a a glyph on the inside of the armor and binds alphonse's soul to the armor so that's that's your setup basically you have oh and in the process of doing that the, he had to uh pay another price which was a, an arm so he literally lost an arm and a leg now so he's got he's missing a leg he's missing an arm through the course of the show he has uh what's called um auto uh, automail limbs he has a, a metal leg and a metal arm and oh sure and he's the full metal alchemist of the show he, you know, he becomes a state alchemist after this, gets the attention of the military. Al is there the entire time, but he's just a walking, talking suit of armor. <laughs> Big guy. So everybody always assumes that he is the full metal alchemist because he's this giant guy made of metal, when really it is this tiny little 15-year-old kid named Ed Elric who is the full metal alchemist. And that's kind of the background, and I realize I only have about 20 seconds left. Uh, For both of us, so
0: what is a Full Metal Alchemist? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just it's just a code name. Okay. That the military gives code names to every alchemist. There aren't very many alchemists, but there are a few. And like I said, they are like the tanks of the military. You'll have names like the Flame Alchemist or the Strong Armed Alchemist or the Sewing Life Alchemist. It's just a code name. Cool. And uh, yeah, that's time. That's ten minutes. Oh my goodness. That went by so fast. I know. Isn't
2: that
1: nuts? That's so nuts. And that's all you get, except I'm going to take you guys one at a time. You each have one. Yeah, exactly. You each have one question that you can ask. Clarification or just more detail. One question. uh, And then I'll give you some bonus points or a bonus point each as well. So I I will say
0: uh, I was joking earlier because I knew that we were doing full alchemist. And this was the source of the very first sham fiction, the proto-sham fiction. Yes. Uh, but I didn't remember any of this stuff, because you told me about different things, and I barely oh, yeah. remembered that. So uh, mm-hmm. I feel like we're about on even footing here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're, you're going to do good. Um, you did, uh, you're did. you the one who wrote this last time, Marcus, yeah. like years ago when we talked about it. Um, so I'm excited to see the take now with this information, which, again, is all all new. So I'm gonna actually start with Andrew this time. So oh, Marcus, man. earmuffs for you. I am just going to talk to you Andrew know, for a why, moment. Why don't you
0: give why don't you give the man a bonus question? Why doesn't he a get bonus two? question. Because I, I did write this before, even if it was years ago. I don't
2: want your pity. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright, I tried. Game on. All right. Game on, bro. All right. Game on.
1: Yep. Remember earmuffs. the loins. All right. Andrew, do you have a question oh, for gosh, me? I have like, like a answered? million
2: of them because the 10 minutes is not nearly <laughs> enough time to learn about something like this, which has a lot behind it, clearly.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a complicated show.
2: Very much so. I uh, I don't know if I even got everything that you said written down adequately <laughs> enough. I want you to get um, this wrong. This is going to be wrong so wrong. These, all these dueling <laughs> sham fakes are going to be so far off. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, my question. So I want to know. What, what do these brothers want now mm-hmm. that this has happened? Because you've given us a lot of setup. Yeah. I want to know what do they want? What are they working towards now? That is a wisely chosen question. Uh,
1: you, you want motivations. Here's yes. the thing. They are trying to get their bodies back. They're on a mission now. Uh, to uh, do whatever they can to find a way to, to retrieve their bodies from where it got t- they got taken from them. Um, because, you know what, it sucks to be Al and live your entire existence without a physical body. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hell for that, for that little kid. Um, so that's what they're, they're doing. Um I will give you a little bonus information. Sure. They are their best lead is that they need a philosopher's stone, which I can't believe I didn't mention in the pitch. So you might have this information that Marcus doesn't. All right, philosopher's stone. Um, a philosopher's stone which is not just it's not like the elixir of life or like turn any object into gold. That that is like Turning stuff to gold is easy for an alchemist.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But the
1: philosopher's stone it basically amplifies your power and lets you ignore equivalent exchange, so you don't. You can make a bowling ball out of a golf ball oh. with a with a philosopher's stone. Okay. okay. And the idea is that is the power that will help them uh, avoid paying a cost to get their bodies back. Okay. So they're trying. They're they're following leads and trying to find out where to get. Or how to get a philosopher's stone. Gotcha. Okay. And that drives the plot for the whole whole show. Got it.
2: Cool. Yeah. You want to give? Are we doing bonus points now too? Yeah, I'll give you a bonus point. Okay. As well.
1: So your bonus point, I, Andrew. I just want to see violence from you. Oh. I we don't get enough from from uh, from you in the show. We always joke about it, but I really want to see something bloody. I want a body count. Okay. Because people do die. It's, it's rare and it's dramatic, but people do die. So I'll give you a lot of extra points if there is a death in the show. Got it. All right. I'm good. Perfect.
2: All, all awesome. Earmuffs.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to bring Marcus back in now. Hey, buddy. Hey. So now that Andrew has his, you get to ask your question.
0: Excellent. I realized I shouldn't have been so charitable because Andrew was in the room when you
1: were pitching this last time and he heard my story. So yeah, but I don't even remember what I said last time. That was like two years ago, yeah. at least. So what? Uh, what do you need to know? All right. So the big question I had is, can you please describe
0: the the setting, the country, the place this takes place in?
1: Gotcha. All right, setting. That's fine. So it's a country called Amestris. It is a um, fairly small, circular country. It's very like um, Central Europe or like Eastern, not quite Eastern European, um, but it's it's very Germanic. Um, it is a very militaristic government. It is controlled by a Führer. Um, and there is a central city. They just call it central. Okay. Okay. Um, where the government is it's the biggest city, but then there's also like a north city, a west city, an east city, a south city um you know at, at your your compass points um, and yeah, uh what else about I'll, I can consider this a compound question what what specifically about the question do you or about the country and the setting do you need to know
0: well because this is an anime, I was just trying to get a sense for you know what the places look like are we talking? cobblestones, flying cars, you know, like,
1: what? what is gotcha. the feel of Amestris? This is very much a uh, analogous to, like, 1940s technology. Um, so it is modern. There are guns. There are automobiles. Things run a bit differently because it's a world where alchemy exists, so it's not 100% because um, there is this magic that exists. Um, and things could be made that are maybe a little more ostentatious or a little bigger than you can with hands because you can build things with alchemy. Um, but, yeah, we're talking uh, old buildings as meaning, like, you know, stuff built in, like, the seventeen, eighteen hundreds uh that exist, cobblestones, uh, but 1940s-era technology. Cool. Yeah. Well, that helps a lot. Thanks. Perfect. All right, your bonus point, sir. Ooh, yes uh i am uh, it also takes a little more explanation, so you're getting a little a little goody here <laughs> um in this show there are these uh these entities who are all bad guys <clears throat> uh, pretty much uh called homunculi okay so uh artificially created humans, which is supposed to be impossible in this world, but there are a series of homunculi, who are named after the seven deadly sins. Ooh, There are a few that are out in the open, and they attack Ed and Al in their, in their quest, um, and uh, they are called Lust and uh, Gluttony and Envy. I think those are the three at the beginning where you really know them, mm-hmm. but the bonus point is uh, that there are secret homunculi people who characters in the show who turn out to be homunculi they have they have crazy powers they're super powerful like insanely strong and almost impossible to kill um and they all have like some fancy weapon that helps them destroy their enemies. Like, Lust has this ultimate spear where, like, her fingers just can shoot out into these crazy needles (laughs) that, you know, you just go right through your head and you're dead. Wow. Done. Like like Terminator Um, 2 style. Yes. And Gluttony can just eat anything. So (laughs) it's... Chomp anything. Metal, stone, whatever. Just bite right through it, you're dead. Um, But the point is, bonus point is show me a reveal i need i want somebody to turn out to be a homunculus in your sham fiction okay i can i can do that that's it that's it all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna bring andrew back here Excellent. you both got your bonus points you both got you the answers to your questions um so that's it i'm gonna send you both off to go right we're going to see how this goes, and we'll come back and uh, read them. We'll do a coin toss or something to see who gets to read first. And uh, then I guess I will pass judgment on you.
2: Great. Hopefully no limbs will be lost in this epic battle. (laughs) Mm.
0: Uh, Game on, Andrew. I think, you know, you can't art harder than someone, so I'm sure there won't be any winners here, but we'll both have a good time.
2: I'll sure as hell try.
1: That's right. All right. (laughs) All right. Good luck, guys. See you in a few. Hey, podcast people. If you like subscribing to things, I highly suggest you subscribe to Sham Fiction. Even if you don't like subscribing, it's, it's a good habit to get into. Why? Because when you subscribe, you'll get a new episode of Sham Fiction delivered straight to your magical pocket device every single Sunday. If you're feeling generous, you could rate our show as well. Either way, subscribing on iTunes is the best way to tell us that you're listening to Sham Fiction, and that helps us out greatly. So thanks for listening to the show. I hope you're enjoying it. Let's get back to it. Hey, guys. Now that you've had, like, two whole minutes to write or whatever, uh, (laughs) who's ready to go head-to-head with this Sham Fiction?
2: Oh, I am ready to destroy. To destroy all Marcuses.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was just gonna be nice, but but now now I will crush you with my <laughs> with my auto mail hand.
1: Ooh, my powerful magical fists!
2: Oh my in, goodness, he listened to the pitch. threats.
1: I like this. So we're gonna actually start with Andrew Neal. Oh no, because he he got to ask his question first. So we'll just That's we'll just how keep we're that order. this? That's how I'm deciding this. You can decide however you want on your dueling shamfic, but this is Eric's house. I'm mad
0: with power, but since you're the judge, Ah, ah, I
1: gotta say how how
0: beautiful ah. you look even in this feed. (laughs) And for you viewers at home who can't actually view, uh, Eric is a is a mighty and powerful figure and making wise choices.
1: Unless you're against the rules, I think this is against the rules. I'm not immune to flattery, so we're okay.
2: Oh no, I'm. Marcus gotta, is
1: already winning this. So I hope this sh- is good. Shut oh, your man. traps! It's time for <clears throat> Andrew Neal's version of Full Metal Alchemist. Take it away, Mr. Neal.
2: Okay, here we go. This is Andrew Neal's Full Metal Alchemist. That's what I just said. God. Uh... His blade struck exactly where he intended, cutting clear through the leather bonds that held together the breast and waist plates of his enemy's armor. With one swing, two collapsed in a rattling, scraping heap onto the floor. No blood, no entrails. Nothing but empty, clanking metal. Not unlike yourself, young Alphonse, a voice said in his head. The memory flared his temper as three more figures attacked from the side. He turned on them, swinging his massive, four-and-a-half-foot blade in a wide arc. This move knocked them all back, stumbling. With his next swing, it sent a helm flying neh the next, an arm He felt no remorse hacking these enemies to bits For they felt none for those whom they attacked They felt nothing, including pain Because they were nothing They were empties Suits of armor, animated using alchemy hmm. Is there really any difference between you and them? A voice asked The question had lingered with him Of course there is he thought, squeezing the hilt of his sword tighter. Stop thinking about it. Edward would think you're being ridiculous. (laughs) Edward. His older brother was currently unconscious, draped over Alphonse's left shoulder. They'd been ambushed by the empties earlier, and Edward had taken a club to the back of the head. The gash left there was serious. Alphonse had to get his brother out. The courtyard with the castle gate was just ahead, but the empties kept appearing out of side hallways. He cut two more down bisecting them at the waist seriously he thought frustration roiling inside him how many can the animator possibly control the animator was the alchemist responsible for the empties and for luring alphonse and his brother to this castle as edward had quickly explained earlier the animator was known for using potential and kinetic energy from machines to make inanimate objects move They'd come to the castle thinking it derelict and holding clues about the Philosopher's Stone. Instead, they'd walked right into the animator's stronghold. And a trap. After another effective slice, an enemy helm struck the stone floor with a metallic ring. The sound pulled Alphonse's attention to the ground, where he saw the pieces. Breastplates, gauntlets, helms. They all wriggled and rattled there, trying to pull themselves back together. A few sets of torsos with arms dragged themselves toward Alphonse, swords in hand, in an effort to attack again. The sight made him sick. He kicked the helm nearest him and began hacking at the bonds between any other armored pieces that remained together. When he'd finished with those in front of him, he swung around to continue on those behind. That's when he saw the blood. A small pool on the ground reflected the torchlight. He knew to whom it belonged. Edward. They had to escape. He firmed his grip on his brother and turned back around. No other empties were in sight. Without another wasted moment, he ran down the hallway towards the exit. To Alphonse's surprise, the courtyard was clear of enemies. The castle gate ahead was completely unprotected. However, as he ran towards it, he heard a melange of sound over the castle walls. <laughs> Swords clashing, men shouting in rage, and sc- in rage and screaming in pain. The sounds of battle. He and his brother had come to this place alone. Who's outside, he thought. Alphonse stopped next to the winch that lowered the gate and listened for any indication of whom it could be. He he needed to determine if they were friend or foe. He was answered fairly quickly when a man's voice shouted, Push the pieces into the river! Don't let them attack from the ground! Good enough for me, he thought. He didn't have time to waste. He kicked the winch release, breaking it with with a harsh snap. A rushing rattle of chains followed as the gate fell outward and then crashed down on the other side to complete the short bridge over the river into the castle. Alphonse stepped into the open gateway, Edward still on his shoulder. He looked down to the opposite end of the bridge, where a modest militia, he'd have guessed numbering about 200, were finishing off a few remaining empties, pushing them into the river below. Excellent, he thought. No more of those awful things to worry about. As a thought came to mind, he heard a shout from down the bridge. It's the animator! Someone cried, followed by a few echoing statements and an angry surge of the crowd. Where? Alphonse thought. He turned and surveyed the courtyard behind and what he could see of the battlements above. The animator was nowhere that he could see. He turned back to the militia and saw a man step forward past the few remaining pockets of fighting on the bridge. His comrades had the remaining empties contained. He pointed at Alphonse with his sword. "'Enough tricks, animator. Call off your abomination and come forward alone.' Anger flickered inside Alphonse. "'Settle down,' he thought. The man's mistaken. "'Is there really any difference?' the question appeared in his mind again. "'Stop,' he thought. "'Forget that. Tell this man who you are.' "'I do not belong to the animator,' he called to him. "'My name is Alphonse Elric.' The man on my shoulder is my brother. He needs help. He sensed a shiver go over the crowd. The man who addressed him turned back to his company. Do not fear, my friends. Remember why we came here, to put an end to our fear. He gestured back to Alphonse with his sword. This monster is to blame. Just look at him now, speaking through the mouth of one of his soulless creations. The company murmured their agreement. Soulless. The word hung in Alphonse's mind. "'No!' he shouted back. "'You are mistaken!' But the man continued. "'He's killed our children! "'He's killed our wives! "'He's killed our brothers!' "'I am not his creation!' Alphonse cried back, voice cracking as he spoke. "'Tonight!' the man stated with finality. "'We kill him!' And with that, the man charged forward. His company roared in reply and followed. Fear engulfed Alphonse. He didn't know what to do. He knew Edward would have. Edward. He slipped his brother off his shoulder and rested him against the side of the gateway. He was still unconscious. Alphonse shook his brother by the shoulders, careful not to strike his head against the stone behind. Edward, he shouted. I need you. You have to wake up. No response. No response. He looked down the bridge. The raging militia was halfway across. "'Edward!' he shouted again. Still no response. The rumbling steps grew closer, and with them came clear shouts of angry voices. "'Abomination!' "'They are talking to me,' Alphonse thought, despite the burning he felt inside. The bridge below shook from the approaching men. "'Monster!' "'No!' he reinforced. "'Not me!' "'Soulless!' "'You're wrong!' He felt his hand leaving his brother's shoulders." Is there really any difference? The animator voice. The animator's words echoed in his head again. The men were only paces away. EMPTY! The words seemed to hit him like a physical object. It rattled through the metal armor that was his body, but the rattle didn't dissipate. It intensified. Alphonse was shaking, not in fear, but in fury. He felt his right hand grasp the hilt of his sword and draw, and as he did... His voice escaped him in a curdling scream. I am not empty! He lunged forward and swung his sword in a high, wide arc. Every man within its reach was instantly decapitated. Fountains of blood surged from the exposed arteries and rained down on the living nearby. These men panicked and stopped, which caused those behind to slam into their backs, pushing them into Alphonse's next swing. This one went lower, cutting open bellies and spilling bowels and more blood onto the ground. Just from the first two blows, the bridge surface was covered with enough fluid and viscera to cause those running to slip off their feet. They hit the ground and were soon met by falling boots as the next line of charging men pushed forward to meet Alphonse's third swing. More heads rolled and blood sprayed. A fourth swing, more blood, more entrails on the ground. None of this phased Alphonse. Not even the sounds. The ripping of flesh against his blade. The anguished cries of the disemboweled. The wet thud of boots on bloody corpses. It all seemed to pass by without effect. He felt nothing. The suit was independent of him. The atrocities at its feet were not of his doing, but, of the, but the work of a mindless automaton. There was nothing inside the suit. He was nothing until he did hear something. Snap! Boom! Alphonse watched blankly as the bridge ahead exploded in a line of splinters, sending men toppling over one another and into the river. Snap! Boom! A second explosion erupted from behind, sending Alphonse headfirst into the floor. He blacked out as his head made contact. A bird chirped. Tree branches rustled. Water gently flowed. As sight returned to Alphonse, the first thing he saw was the blue sky above. Then a bird. Maybe the one that had just chirped, he thought. He sat up slowly and hung his head, looking down at the ground beneath him. Wood. The bridge surface. It was covered in dried blood. His body stiffened at the sight until to his right, drawn in blood, he saw a rune. Edward, he thought. He turned to his left where his brother now stood with his back turned. They were floating down the river. Hmm. Edward must have used his power to break this piece of the bridge away as a makeshift raft. His brother always had the best escape plans. Edward? He said to catch his brother's attention. Edward turned only slightly at his voice before turning back to the river ahead. Edward? He asked, but his brother remained silent. Alphonse slowly peered back down at the dried blood on the raft's surface. He touched a spot lightly with the tip of a large metal finger and pulled it away. It flooded him then, a heavy, sinking sensation deep inside. He wanted to cry, but no tears came. They never did. He turned back to his brother. Edward, it's me, he pleaded. I'm in here. His brother didn't respond. The end.
0: Oh.
1: Wow! Woo. That
0: was—I mean—that was—that was horrible. It wasn't uh, emotional for me or anything. <laughs> well,
1: oh, Marcus, you—you uh, you, uh, have to follow that. So yeah. Uh, see, this is the this is the advantage you have, though. You know your competition. And so I'm now I was going to edit on the fly. Exactly. <laughs> you can just write something new. So uh, Andrew. I'm not going to say a dang thing about that. Okay. Um, and we're going to roll right on into Marcus. Ooh, here we go. So, Marcus, right. are you ready for your ready. version? Here we go. All right, take it away.
0: Alphonse remembered the time he fought against the animator and how it was way worse than what was about <laughs> to happen. Oh, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you scamp.
1: Oh, boy. All right. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's, let's, I'm gonna actually read this now.
1: Yeah, please.
2: Please
0: do. (laughs) It was almost clear when he slept. In the space of his dreams, Edward was whole, and his memories of his glimpse beyond made an unspeakable sense. The other side of the door that seemed only chaos when recalled in his waking hours had meaning and order. The man who had spoken to him by the gate of the void had different words to say when he visited in sleep. If only Edward could hear them. If only. The images faded when Edward woke. Cold sweat ran down the skin that was left to him as his automail fist clenched tight with the shock of the dawn air. It had been months since he had lost his mother for a second time. The horrors of that night surrounded him like a transmutation circle, turning all the joy that could have been his into anger and purpose. His momentary mourning pity dissolved when his eyes adjusted enough to see the suit of armor standing next to him alphonse hadn't moved all night edward wondered if his brother could even sleep anymore as horrible as it had been for edward breaking the great taboo he could hardly conceive of what it had been like for alphonse to lose everything to have his soul rended from his body and tied to a mechanical husk at times he wondered if death would have been less cruel move out alchemist edward packed his sleeping bag and threw it into the truck with the rest of the gear They had cleared East City, but still had a long drive ahead of them until they reached Savia, the settlement they were looking for. His commander had told him that this order came from the Fuhrer himself, but Edward didn't care. He was just happy to be out of Central City following their run-in with envy the week before. Homunculi were nasty good at taking lives for things that shouldn't have been alive to begin with. Alphonse only moved when Edward got into the driver's seat and started the ignition. The truck sank slightly with the added weight of the armor filling the passenger seat. "'I know it's not the Elric Brothers' road trip we planned when we were kids,' Edward said. "'But I'm glad you're here by my side.' "'I can't seem to get away,' Alphonse said. (laughs) "'Edward chose to imagine it was with a smile.' "'Hours rolled by behind the wheel, "'and Edward felt his mind drifting as they got closer to the settlement. "'It was abnormal to send an alchemist so far out of Central City to one of the colony outposts. "'They were part of the Greater Empire, yes, but they weren't in rebellion.' When, they, when that was the case, they typically didn't get much notice. According to Commander Lusana, there was a great dispute that needed to be resolved. Apparently, that was enough for the Fuhrer to send his most prized alchemist to go play sheriff. Something told Edward the situation on the ground might be more than he was told. The great flat nothingness that reached out before them was a stark contrast to the cities they had left behind. There were no paved roads here, only the worn dirt path that the farmers used to bring their goods out for trade. The rows of crops were just organized enough to tell they were designed by men, despite the lack of anyone to be seen working the fields. Edward didn't know if he should be concerned by that. Agriculture had never seemed very important to a man who could shape the elements to his will. The light of the sun on the horizon grew as it rose in the sky, until everything Edward could see was pure white. He walked in a circle and saw that the void stretched out in all directions, infinitely around him. Yet there was a great door in the center of this place with no bounds. Genius and madness lay in equal measures on the other side. The two pillars of knowing. Edward ran to the door, but a hand on his shoulder stopped him. He turned, expecting to see the figure who had showed him the truth, but instead found Alphonse's face. His brother's true eyes met Edward's for a moment before they faded into the metal helm he had been bound to. The white evaporated, and the sounds of his brother's shouting faded in. Edward gripped the wheel of the truck and swerved just in time to avoid the huddled form in the center of the road. Hmm. The sudden turn on the dirt path caused the truck to go into a roll. Without hesitation, Edward drew his focus into the etched transmutation circle in his auto arm, and when he reached into the air, a giant hand of dirt mirrored his movements, catching the truck. The abrupt stop slammed Edward's head against the roof, but pain was nothing new to him, and he kept his focus. He set the vehicle down and let go of the connection, returning the dirt to the earth. I told you I could drive, Alphonse said. Edward suspected that his impervious metal body hadn't taken the same level of injury Edward was now enjoying. Ah, I felt like walking anyway, Edward said. He managed to pry himself out of his seat and stand without throwing up. Let's just make sure whoever's that was is okay out there. Resting in the middle of the path, a short walk from their now crumpled truck, the body was far from okay. Gray had taken over the skin and there was no heartbeat to be found. The man lay supine with dead eyes staring up at Edward and Alphonse. What do you think happened to him? Edward asked. Them, Alphonse said softly. What? Edward still crouched low over the body, feeling for any trace of the soul. What happened to them? Alphonse said. Edward looked up. Dozens of bodies were laid out on the road to Savia. The two brothers walked in silence for a time, verifying that each person they encountered was beyond their help. As the grain bins and dwellings of the settlement began to take shape in the distance, Edward saw no sign of movement. He had never seen a disease like this before, but was running a low-grade transformation of the air around his mouth to keep it uncontaminated. If this spread to the city, it would be far worse than any uprising. Had the Fuhrer known about this? If so, why hadn't Commander Lysana said anything? The center of the settlement had no bodies, but no more living people. Edward hunched down by the form of a young girl. She couldn't have been older than five, and placed his fingers on her neck, feeling for a pulse. Nothing. So, are we just going to ignore the fact that you fell asleep while driving and almost killed yourself? Alphonse said. I don't know what I can say. That's never happened to me before. It's a hard thing to make a habit of when it's so easy to die from. It wasn't like that. Edward said. Something's been happening in my sleep. I've been seeing that day when you... When we tried to bring Mom, I see the void. That sounds normal to me, Alphonse said. (laughs) I relive tragedy in my dreams as well. Edward was happy to hear that his brother still dreamed, even if they weren't sweet. I don't think it's that simple. The man I told you about, I, I think he's trying to tell me something new. If it's really a dream, you're just trying to tell yourself something. It's not me, I swear. I don't know how I can explain, but a pulse. A single heartbeat. Edward pulled his hand away from the girl in shock. He hadn't even realized he'd left it there as he was talking to his brother. It must have been a full minute without a pulse, and then just one beat. We have to go. Now. What's wrong? Alphonse said. What if no one in this town was dead? What if they were just sleeping? That's impossible, unless... Sloth, Edward said at the same time as his brother. (laughs) They had speculated about the other homunculi for a long time. After seeing what Envy did to the furious, Furious Council, they swore they'd be prepared if they ever found another. Sloth was particularly hard to track down because he was never active. Reports of his behavior came from those around him, losing track of their own goals. Then, there were the sleepwalkers. Edward tried to get distance between himself and the bodies, but he was too late. The girl's hand grabbed Edward's leg and made a dent in the auto-mail. Great. The rumors of the sleepwalkers' enhanced strength just had to be true. (laughs) Alphonse was quick to step in and tear the girl away. Her fingers snapped sickeningly as she was pulled apart from Edward. If she ever woke from the sloth's trance, her hand would never fully heal. No time to think of that. The rest of the town was beginning to move. Two transmutation circles on the soles of Edward's feet began to glow, and he summoned the ground to carry him forward on giant waves of dirt. Miniature mountains rose and fell beneath him to hasten his stride, as Alphonse ran below with joints that weren't limited by human endurance. In moments, they reached the truck, but before Edward could even begin to hope that it might still drive, he saw the figure of a man sitting on the hood. The piercing eyes of the homunculi that had first looked up at him when he arrived in Savia were now filled with dangerous intelligence. As Edward looked into the deep black of the eyes, they turned white and expanded over the gray-skinned face, eventually reaching out beyond the boundaries of the man himself and enveloping the world around Edward. This time, the man by the great door in the void had a recognizable face and spoke clearly. I've been trying to reach you for some time, Edward Elric, Sloth said. But you have been ignoring me. The Fuhrer was much easier to speak to. He relies on his dreams rather than rebel against them. Edward struggled to wake up. He needed to break free. Alphonse needed him. Do not worry for your waking self or your chained brother's soul. Come to me, Edward Elric. You who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. The end. Hey, that
1: was good! Wow! Oh, so that's it. That's two uh, two very, very different uh, interpretations <laughs>
2: yeah. of
1: Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood.
0: Oh, it's so much fun! I'm um, glad
1: we picked different viewpoint characters. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's a good point. Um. Uh. Wow. So, uh, first of all, I think we gotta we gotta cover the different uh uh the different questions you guys asked before you wrote cuz i think it uh it pl- played a big role in both of your uh both of your pieces because what i gave you really wasn't that much i kind of gave you the basic uh the basics of the two main characters and not much else
2: so yeah. Um, I really want to guess what Marcus's was. Oh, please. I think I might have an idea. Please. Uh, sure. Marcus, did you ask what sort of villains they're up against?
0: No, that was just a bonus. That was yeah. actually my bonus points. Um, I had asked what the setting was. Because okay. I wanted to know, you know, what kind of places was, what the technology was. So that's how I found out about the Fuhrer and that it was kind of okay. like 40s military technology level. Okay. So there are cars and guns and all that.
2: Got it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh you absolutely nailed uh secret homunculus bonus point. So congratulations. I mean, Woohoo! with Marcus's uh flattery and his uh nailing of the bonus points. He's he's ahead. I mean, I mean,
0: well, <laughs> by Eric's beard, I'm not going to
1: argue. Uh-huh. Uh and Andrew, um your secret piece of information. Marcus, do you care to guess what his was? Gosh, I'm having a hard time with that.
0: Uh Because, I don't know, it it all seemed very, very natural. Um,
1: No, I I got nothing. Gotcha. So uh, Andrews was, uh, he asked about the motivations of uh, Ed and Al. And Mm. the answer was they are both trying to get their bodies back and looking for the Philosopher's Stone to accomplish that goal. Oh, okay. So he got uh, real plot details for the whole series that you did not get, which turned out Yet. fun. And guess what? His bonus point was death and violence. <laughs> I, th- I was gonna guess that actually. <laughs> and <laughs> and boy did he finally deliver. Andrew, I'm so pleased. <laughs> and they were Ooh, like they were innocent people too. They were like <laughs> they they were just mistaken and they were all brutally murdered.
0: Yay! Well, so I can I ask for a point of clarification there, Mister Neil Yeah, sure. Uh, so had the animator taken over Alphonse there, or was that just Alphonse not being human?
2: Uh, the idea is that Alphonse lost himself in that moment. Okay, that's yeah. that's, that's, that's I thought what it could have been either way. It was
1: it yeah. was very tragic to me. This 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 guy who's been like questioning his own existence, whether he is a like a real boy yeah. or not, and then just letting himself go dead inside. <laughs> very he just, he
0: just squashed that musical cricket uh-huh. and
1: let loose. Ugh. Yeah, that was kind of the idea. It's yeah. very, very sad. That that hit me pretty hard. Um is fantastic. Um so really quick, can I have each of you just kinda of tell me about your process in writing this? I just want some something before I kind of uh decide a winner and a loser. So, uh, Andrew, since you read first, tell me about uh, the process of writing your version of Full Metal Alchemist.
2: Yeah, so I took your hint on the Philosopher's Stone as kind of like this overarching idea, Uh, you know, this idea that they're trying to get their bodies back. And I, you know, of course, Alphonse, the fact that he's lost his entire body, I latched onto that more so, given that information. So I wanted to tell a story about him. And so I immediately, this one came to me, pretty quick um, this idea of okay what if somebody else brings armor to life but they don't have souls and he's fighting against them and whereas someone who does have a body if they were in this world fighting against these things would think oh okay this is fine you know this is normal mm-hmm. it really disturbs him because he wants to set himself apart from stuff like this um, so that was uh, that was kind of the 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 linchpin of the idea and that's where I started writing from. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic.
1: Um and, and honestly that whole that whole conflict of Alphonse questioning whether he is in fact real and not just like a alchemic creation is something that comes up in the show. He okay. Alphonse for <laughs> nice. for a run of time in the show has a serious conflict about that in that he totally like loses uh his trust in himself and his brother because he thinks that Ed has been lying to him by make by telling him that he is his brother when in fact he is an invention so it's oh. it's very very close i was i was super happy to hear that that's so interesting that's fantastic uh marcus tell me about yours uh yeah
0: so i was trying to you know think about the the void had really captured my attention mm-hmm. and again, dealing with the ramifications of what had happened. So I thought Edward being feeling very guilty for what had happened to Alphonse and just having this kind of distance between them, trying to separate that from maybe the closeness they had had beforehand. Sure. Uh, but then with the the bonus points in the setting, I really got the idea that this was kind of an episode. You know, this this wasn't the big arcing story. This was, well, they're tanks, they're, they're military equipment, so... They get sent out to deal with a problem in the Empire, right? Sure. So that was where I started with, and then I had to think of which uh, seven deadly sins to use for my homunculus. Nice. And, I love uh, that.
1: Came up with Sloth, probably, because I'm a big Sandman fan. There you go. Um, is playing it, with dreams a little bit. Nice. And with, uh, with Sandman, since I haven't read it, is that kind of how Sloth, is that the role he plays in that? Or did you invent so, Sloth this? Sloth is
0: not a character oh, okay.
1: in Sandman. Okay.
0: It was just the idea of someone being able to control dreams. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and then I liked the idea of giving people like kind of this zombie nature, um, which is sort of touched on in Sandman. They're not given powers or direct control
1: or anything. Yeah, very cool. Just, Yeah. See, It was was fun. That's fantastic. And what I love about both of your interpretations is that you both hit so strongly on themes that are covered in the show, but very different themes. Like, Andrew has, uh, with what I gave him, really latched onto a certain part of Full Metal Brotherhood. And then Marcus, with the different things that I gave you, uh, found completely different themes that are also just as accurate to the show. So... You you cram them both together, you rub them together, and you, you'd have yourself uh, a very accurate Full Metal Alchemist. But as it is, it's kind of each of them is half, which is which is awesome. I didn't really expect that perfect split, um, but there you have it. Um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to get into too many details um, as far as what was right, what was wrong. I think I just have to lay down judgment because uh, as we all know. Uh, with this uh, dueling sham fiction category, there are no winners.
0: Oh, that that makes me feel good because I really did like Andrew's story, and I, I'd feel bad, you know, if one of
1: us had to be picked as a winner. Yeah, no. So, uh, Marcus, you lose. Ah, oh. wait a second. Wait. wait.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so do I win? No, no. You just you just lose less. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fair. So, congratulations, everybody, on um, on losing, but especially Marcus. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed hearing the head to uh, head head to head thing. Let's do it next week. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I think that probably will happen. Oh, yay. awesome. So, any so uh, final I, I
2: words? I just gotta,
0: yeah, I gotta say something about Andrew's piece. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that. It was, it was Thanks, a captivating man. yarn. I think that you hit on a conflict that was so resonant with the character conflict, like the external force, the animator, that was very clever. And you just, you hooked me, because the action then became part of the internal struggle, and I was sold the whole way through. Uh, really kind of edge of my seat, enjoying it. Um, Great, man. The the only thing I, I felt like I was missing was... Uh, I, as far as I was able to recall, Alphonse didn't do any alchemy. Yeah. So that was kind of throwing me very off. very true. I was just like... There's a lot know, of swords. This, is this guy has got to do some magic. Oh, he's
2: a magic man. you know what's interesting? I didn't... Must not have written that down, that Alphonse was an alchemist too. I didn't know that he was an alchemist. Um, So I totally. proceeded thinking that he wasn't an alchemist. Are,
0: are you sure that I lost more, Eric? <laughs>
2: hey, I stand by what I said. Oh, that's interesting. No, I, I
1: would too. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. Too. I didn't write
2: that down. So no, I just thought since Edward was incapacitated, we couldn't have any of that. Um, but uh, on the same side of that coin, I was very pleased that you went with Edward and that we got to see some uh, some more alchemist action. Um, I like the way that you used the the earth the dirt arm or the dirt hand to catch the uh, the truck. <laughs> I was really pleased with that. Um, very very and true also, to source. What's that? Very
1: true to source.
2: Good, good. And also, like, the reason I asked about the villains is because the villains that you created were so rich. You know, like, these homunculi villains that are based on the seven deadly sins. Like, that was a really well, so cool villain.
0: The There were... Uh, Eric described to me that there were a few different homunculi villains. Okay. But he... I think he described envy, lust, and gluttony. Oh. And he wanted
2: me to come up with another one. Oh. Oh, That's how it went. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. I don't even know what a homunculi is, but uh, I think <laughs> I got some sort of an indication from this. It's like an artificial human. You grow in the ground. Oh, it's old alchemy concept. Okay, okay. Yeah. And also just like this whole thing being kind of around like him falling asleep and having the dreams and falling asleep at the wheel, um, which is something I'm no uh, stranger from. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> oh. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're sharing the road with me everyone um but yeah like i loved how you established that with the dream up front and then had that bit where he's falling asleep in the car and seeing his brother's face like just really beautiful stuff and the clean air mouth thing i wrote that down too i thought that was very clever it was Again, interesting more fun Alchemist stuff. very
1: interesting uh so i i take it from this conversation that you guys actually wanted to talk about the works and didn't want to just Find out who lose, and then end the episode. That's that's what I'm getting from this. So should we should we talk more in the upcoming episodes? Is that what we want to do?
2: Yeah, All I right. think we should.
1: <laughs> I, I thought we were still I doing. I thought that's it. So, oh, I yeah. thought that's, a, that's why we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. This is our first one. We have to iron out the kinks. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, I'll man. Sure. Don't worry about. No, it. I
0: thought this this worked well. Like, cause you give the judgment, then we both say something about the other story. Very cool. Yeah,
1: well, perfect. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I enjoyed both of your guys' stuff. Uh, any anything else we want to say? Because I got nothing. Because you guys pretty where, much covered it. Where do we find it? You can't. You can't beat the dredge. Hey, you can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't do it. Can't do it. So, you, if you guys want to watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, best source that I know of is uh, Netflix. Hey. And uh, most of it's on there as of uh, this recording. Maybe it's all on there by the time you hear it. But uh, you may have to search around for the last couple episodes or, you know, just buy the DVD. How much of this show is there? How, like, how many seasons are there? Uh, it's like, oh, gosh. It's it's a pretty solid run. I think it's like four series, something okay. like that. Maybe Maybe five. All right. They change, Just curious. Uh, it's anime, so they changed the uh, theme song a few times, and I want to say there are like four or five different theme songs. Oh, so, man,
2: I got a lot of catching up to do.
1: Yeah, no, there's quite a bit, but it is a very self-contained story. You have a good beginning, middle, end, and, boy, the end is like the most anime thing you've ever seen. It's fantastic. Ooh. For a show that is a very not anime-y anime, <laughs> <laughs> it ends like full-bore onslaught of anime amazement so ah. i will check this out I'm cool. it is it is definitely worth checking out especially for people well for anybody but if if you're not an anime fan this is a really good one to watch like seriously this will get you into it so cool. so there's that good job everybody um less good job marcus <laughs> thank you but we'll uh, we'll catch everybody on the next episode of Dueling Sham Fiction, which is next week. Woo, I'm so excited. I get to write. Woo. Oh, man. Awesome. This is going to be pitching. Is he attractive? <laughs> I think it's going to be you, Andrew. Oh, there is. There it is. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jacks Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write
2: what you don't know. Howdy, Shammers! Andrew here. Next week, the duel continues as Eric and Marcus go head-to-head in the Sham Fiction arena. Meanwhile, I'll begin my service as a living reminder of those we lost during that terrible, inexplicable event on October 14th, 2011. If you care to join me, grab your finest white garb and a carton of Marlboro Reds because we've got a lot of reminding to do. Oh. And this will be the last time we speak. Well, until next time.
1: Bye.